Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 184, coming to you from Portugal. I am here for the week. Combination of, of course, of a little bit of vacation as well as taking care of uh, some things for my family. And uh, just keep in mind one thing, since I am not in my usual location with my usual equipment, it, it might sound a little different here, like I am in a bit of a tunnel, but I'm actually in the basement of my home uh, recording this with really basic equipment. Uh, did not want to be traveling too uh, heavy with all this stuff uh, coming here to Portugal, which, as you know, is not very easy. But uh, I got a lot to say about my trip in Portugal, people I've talked to, people I've met. But I'm going to save that to the end of this episode. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I know most of you don't care. So I'm going to save everything about my Portugal trip until the very end, including my Atletico dos Arcos. I got to check them out uh, this week. But let's talk really about... What a great, uh, you know, in terms of what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. First off, what a tremendous week one of the Liga last weekend. Uh, we have a very disappointing situation with the TV abroad. First, no UK, then no France. And now Brazil apparently does not have the Portuguese rights. And I'll kind of give you my theories on what is going on. Braga has advanced to the playoff. They'll be taking on uh, Greek big club Panathinaikos, But Aroca out. Very disappointing. And I'll go into a little bit of that as well. Last week, I said, should we start calling it the big four? <laughs> and uh, Friday night, of course, Braga and the legal opener lose. And I had some of you teasing me like, yeah, I, I don't think it should be called the big four. I, I really enjoyed those, uh, the way you were responding to me of that. Thank you. But I still do think it's the big four. And I'll explain why. João Matinho, is he going to Porto? Um, and then, of course, I'll also have my Liga report previewing this weekend's action, player abroad report, and other things that are going on, of course, uh, throughout uh, Portugal's fo Portuguese football. So thank you for coming. And if I sound excited, it's because I am. Again, I'm very glad to be here in uh, Portugal. And um, it was great. Uh, the week one of the Liga, uh, we saw some big upsets with Braga losing at home to Familia Cone. Familia Cone did not have their best player, Ivan Jaime, who's looking to uh, force a move to a bigger club. They lost at home after a convincing win uh, in their first leg of their Champions League qualifier, and they pretty much just disappointed on Friday. Mafika, as you know, lost on a very late goal by Bosnik. Boavista, who hardly ever defeats Benfica, pulled it off. Petit's first win as a manager against Benfica. We saw Porto without Consisong and Pep down 1-0, come back to win at Moreirense, 2-1. We saw Sporting on a very, very late goal by Paulinho uh, turn around the result at home, and they go on to record a win. They were up 2-0, uh, and then they lost the 2-2 before Paulinho did his magic. And, uh, of course, we saw Roca, uh, one at home, 2-1 in the first leg of the Europa Conference League qualifier, then beat Estrell 4-3. I think confidence was high that they would do very well going to Norway, but obviously they disappointed, which I'll talk about in a minute. We saw Gil Vicente. Gil Vicente last year barely stayed up. If it wasn't for Navarro, who scored something like 60 to 65% of their goals, 
uh, they would have been relegated. But they scored something like 32 goals in Liga last year, 33, 34, something very low. And what do they do first match of the season in Liga this year? They beat Portimonense at home 5-0. Wow. We saw some great attendances. But again, if you're a follower of this podcast, I know the Liga made a big deal of it. I've been saying to you, the month of August, big tourist month, big month for the immigrants. So I'm not really entirely sure who exactly was surprised, but the league obviously needs to continue to point out uh, the positives. And even though we had a tremendous first week, that I really believe, in addition to the fact, like I talked about last week, when you have your controversies, but we had some good football. And I think the Liga is a very good product, the Liga BetClick. Uh, but we're starting to see some disappointing issues now with the TV. First, it was the United Kingdom, England. Then it was France. And now it's apparently Brazil. And I think the reason why the matches aren't being shown to Brazil, because as uh, one of my followers pointed out when he responded to the, weeks, uh, to the tweet, Something to the effect that deals have been done in South America with a bunch of countries, but Brazil is not included in that deal. Something to that effect. And uh, as a result, uh, that is not very good news. Now, I have a few theories about what's going on with this TV deal. Number one, I think it's uh, basic economics. Perhaps Portugal, the league is asking for a lot of money, and these countries are basically balking. For all we know, it could just be posturing. And, uh, you know, I remember a few years ago, RTP International did not show games because they couldn't come to a deal with the league. And then once we got to match day four or five, it was resolved. You know, as I always say, it's like trying to sell a house. First interested buyer puts in an offer, never tends to be as much as what the owner wants. They go back and forth, then they kind of walk away, and then eventually they come back and they meet halfway. Well, this happened here. Uh, there are a lot of Dugas in France. There are a lot of Dugas in England. There's a lot of Dugas, of course, in Brazil. It would be a very big disappointment if in a month from now, these countries are not showing the Liga bet click. But I think, number one, it's basic economics. It's just the type of things that go on when you're trying to get to a deal. The second thing could be that perhaps the TVs in this country that generally show the Liga, perhaps they're cutting back their broadcast money and Portugal tends to be the victim. One of the ones that they're pulling back. Uh, we shall see in, a, in about a month from now. The third one that scares me is could this be – um, you know, a lot of countries now are starting to buy the Saudi Arabia rights. You know, you just saw Neymar assigned for the league. You obviously know about all the Cristiano and all the other players that have been coming from Europe. And um, a lot of TV stations, especially streaming services, are cutting back. This isn't when the pandemic happened and everybody was at home, which meant more people were watching television. And all of a sudden, the rights of everything went up. Now people are going about their lives. TVs, especially the streaming services, are starting to significantly cut back. Look at Netflix. No more password sharing. This could be Portugal. Uh, you know, basically these countries saying the Portuguese product doesn't interest us. The Saudi Arabia League is, and we're going to put our money into that. That could be a possibility uh, as well. And I think that's what makes this situation very scary. So I think this is basic economics. The other thing it could be is it could be they've made a decision to go and put money into other leagues. And I think what's also important is that the Liga needs to do a better job of marketing, okay? I have told you so many times on this podcast, 
social media. There are various accounts out there that they say they promote the Portuguese league, but if you follow them long enough, it's really about promoting the younger players because there's a lot of interest in the younger players in Portugal. Every time someone thinks about a younger player, especially for the big three, people, especially in England and Germany and France, get very excited about it because we have a good track record. We have a very, very, very good uh, track record. But we got to start marketing the traditions, uh, not just the big three, the derbies, the classicals when they play each other. But, but you know, it's a Monday night. And look at this match between Boavista and Manfica. You can't tell me that people, if they saw that match, wouldn't walk away a little bit more excited about watching the Liga. You look at Porto, same thing. They played on a Monday night, down 1-0, come back to win it 2-1. to one. Why wouldn't people get excited about a result like that and want to watch more of it? Look at what Aroca did winning 4-3. Look at how Sporting won their match late. Look at the upset by Fama. I think there needs to be more promotion of the Liga, the rivalries in the Liga, the traditions of the Liga. Um, I think that there has to, you have to kind of get, and again, I'm talking about this across the board to make more money on TV. Because, you know, what happens is, is, and I get that, players are going to be sold. That's part of the culture. That's never going to change. But a lot of times when you sell a player, a lot of that interest in that club kind of, you know, basically diminishes because now the clubs or whether it's in England and these big clubs and all their fans descend on the Portuguese league to learn more about these players being linked. Once that player's bought, a lot of them aren't going to go back and watch Familia Gong or Aroca. It's just not the way it works. It's, it's all really about building interest in the traditions of Portugal and what goes on in Portugal instead of the younger players. So that's just my opinion. I think that's just the way that it needs to go. There needs to be a better job done of marketing the Liga. And it's not always necessarily the Liga's fault. Social media is filled with people excited about Portuguese talent. But we got to get to the point where people are also excited about wanting to watch Liga bed click just for the sake of Liga bed click. And I just think that that is also something that the Liga has to take into account as we uh, move uh, forward. And as we head toward week two uh, of the Portuguese Liga BetClick, uh, everything gets going on Friday with Casapia against Sporting. You've got four matches on Saturday with Guimarães against Gil Vicente, the battle of two teams up north. You've got Chaves against Braga. Braga, of course, fresh off of advancing to the Champions League playoff. You've got Portimonense at home. How about this? So they lose 5-0 as Gil Vicente. They are licking their wounds, and they are going to play a team like Boa Vista, which is pumped, absolutely pumped. So this is the tale of one team in one way, losing 5-0 last week, the other team that came in and beat the Liga champion, and that sets up an interesting storyline. And then, of course, we have Benfica coming home to the Luge, taking on newly promoted from the area, Estrela Amadora. Benfica needs to respond in a very, very big way. And then, of course, on Sunday, you've got Estoril Praia against Rio Ave, the club that couldn't sign any players this summer. Put together a very good result last week, uh, 2-0. We saw Porto. They will be at home against Feirent. And then Vizela Aroca will wrap it up on Sunday night. And then one match left, the usual Monday night match between Familia Cone taking on Mode Nance, who's probably still disappointed at losing their one nothing advantage last week. Uh, to uh, Porto. Uh, for me, when I talk about what are the best matches, um, there's a few to talk about, but I really like, uh, for me, I like this uh, match with Casapia Sporting. I think that's a, a pretty, pretty good one. Uh, I think another match, uh, of course, will Benfica bounce back? 
those are the, some some of the highlight matches uh, for me that I think uh, this week that we should be you know really paying attention to. And again, week two of the Liga Bet Click it should be a really another good one. Uh, second division uh, report. Um, again, the second division, of course, had a very weird week. They played on the weekends. There was a match on um, on uh, Monday, and then there was a match, uh, excuse me, Tuesday morning because of the holiday here, and then there was another match on Wednesday to finish it. And I'm not quite sure why Santa Clara's match was played on a uh, Wednesday. But we saw basically Bastos de Ferreira taking on Leiria nil-nil. We also saw... Um, Santa Clara beating one of my favorite teams in the second division from Torres Vedras, Torrents, 2-0. We saw Befica beating Mafra. What else? By the way, I'm going to tell you something interesting about Mafra in the legal report coming up. But we saw Befica B defeating Mafra 3-2. And we saw FC Porto B uh, beating, a, uh, excuse me, playing to a draw uh, with Tundela 1-1. And uh, everything gets going uh, with the uh, Liga Bet. Uh, Liga uh, Second Division, of course, that's on Monday. You've got Meritimo at home against uh, AVS Avs. And then on Saturday, you've got Mafra, Passos de Ferreira. you got newly promoted Leiria taking on Benfica B. That's one of my favorite matches of this weekend. You've got Tundela at home against Académico do Viseu. Uh, then on Sunday, you've got Lank Vila Verdens taking on Oli Verdens. You've got Bilanenses taking at home in Rostillo taking on FC Porto B. And then uh, you've got a fade-in from Santa Maria Freya taking on Penafial. And then on Monday, it all ends with Turians taking on Nacional and Leixões taking on Santa Clara. And by the way, with my luck, because this weekend I'm going to be going down south. I'm, I'm up here in Altamino. I was in Porto the other day, and I've been in Arcos de Valverde. Uh, but this weekend... Uh, I'm going to be heading up to finish up my Portugal trip. I'm only here for seven days, a little bit of a shorter trip. And it would have been perfect if Turiens was playing at home on Saturday or Sunday. And they're playing on Monday, the day that I leave. So I got no luck uh, whatsoever this weekend, no luck whatsoever. And uh, I would have actually checked out uh, Vila Verdens, my second favorite team in the second division against Leverens. But I will not be here in Minho uh, coming up on uh, Sunday. So... Bad timing on my part, but that's just the way it goes. Um, and that's pretty much uh, your report. Again, another big weekend of uh, Liga BetClick, and I'm really looking forward to it. Let's go to the Liga report. Uh, not just talking about the big three, but pretty much everybody else. Uh, Familia Cone, did you check out their social media this week? You know, let's not forget this is a club, 40 million. In the last five years, they've earned through uh, transfers and dealings. Uh, Pote, Ugart are among the big monies that they've made. Well, they just they showed some video of some fantastic facilities that will enable them to compete uh, for many years to come in the first division as long as they don't get relegated. Uh, second division, Mafra. Check this out. I told you last week that they had something like 10 players from the Danish club Midtjylland. That is the same club that... Uh, if you remember last year, Diamond played with uh, Mafra. He was also from this Danish club. And then, of course, he was sold to Sporting in the uh, January transfer window. Well, the Danish love the deals. And now there are 10 players from this Danish club playing for Mafra. And apparently, the if I heard correctly, the business or person that owns this Danish club, Midtjylland, they just bought 80% of Mafra's sad. So not only are they putting a bunch of players at Mafra, they now are a big, big uh, a holder of the rights uh, to Mafra. So a, a very interesting story there. I think Mafra, 
obviously is a club that probably is more of a second division club with facilities, but now with this influx of money, could they be something bigger? We shall see. Um, Vitoria last week, uh, their manager Moreno resigned all on account of their elimination from the Europa League, even though he did win his match this past weekend. He decided afterwards that he would essentially walk away because there was so much disappointment. Guimarães is, like I said, when it comes to support, the fourth biggest club in Portugal, and people are really upset, and he decided to make a move. As I press record on this episode, we still don't know yet who he is, the interim manager, but that was some really big news last weekend. We saw Boa Vista. Obviously, uh, this is a club, by the way, outside of the back, big three, the last one to win the Liga title. They are having a lot of money issues. But they beat the domestic, the defending champions, a big, big win for Boa Vista. A lot of people don't remember. I remember it well when, back in, I think, was it 2000, they won the Liga. They had so many great players. And then, unfortunately, a few years later, they went into depth. And it's a story about why players get sold, why clubs are very careful, why people move on to bigger clubs because they look behind them if you're a manager and they see Boavista's got to sell. So why stick around for another year? This is why managers come and go. But if you're Boavista, what a way to begin the season. Big, big result for Boavista, and they deserve to be congratulated. Uh, we saw Deku, former Portuguese international. Of course, if you remember him from the golden generation, he is now the new sports director for Barcelona and is Ron Felix going to Barcelona. That seems to be the rumor as I press record on this. The Super Cup on August the 9th between uh, Benfica and Porto, 2.3 million people watched it in Portugal. That was the average uh, amount of people that watched it. So that is some very, very impressive numbers uh, for uh, the uh, TV. And this wraps up part one of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back. Episode 184. Let me just say, as I always do, um, thank you so much for listening, whether it's for the first 10 minutes of any episode or for listening to the entire thing. I really appreciate uh, you doing that and that you take time out of your schedule every week to listen to what I have to uh, say. Again, this is your weekly Portuguese expert to talk about our football, our soccer, objectively. I'm going to tell it like it is, but I'm also going to give the compliments when necessary. I'm going to criticize when necessary. But at the end of the day, this is going to come from the heart. And, um, you know, I've been here in Portugal. I actually ran into two people in Arcus that told me that they listened to the podcast and they were very complimentary. They gave me a few suggestions to improve upon. So thank you uh, so much. And I really appreciate that. And I will tell you what I told them. You know, if you want to support this podcast, follow it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, podcast Attic. Uh, it's also available on YouTube, which by the way, because I didn't bring my equipment, I got to figure out how I'm going to turn this into a video. So we'll see if I'll be able to do that for this episode. And at the end of the day, of course, follow, of course, on the social medias, Peace Soccer COM on Twitter, as well as on Facebook, uh, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias on Instagram and threads. Are any of you following threads? I'm curious. It seems like that's kind of disappeared after being a hot thing a few weeks ago. And again, I thank you for your time, whether it's for 10 minutes or the whole episode. Thank you for taking time to allow me to come into your life and talk about what we both love, 
Portuguese football. Now let's talk a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start off part two here. Uh, and again, for my Portugal visit, I'm going to save those comments for the very end if you stick around. First off, international report, Renato Sanchez has left PSG. He arrived and he's going to be going to Roma on loan. And depending on if conditions are met, Roma will be able to purchase him at the end of the loan. Uh, Renato, he did very well with Lille. Maybe not so great with PSG with injuries. Did great with Benfica. Then went to Bayern. He didn't. It's been very consistent as in career. Hopefully, uh, being with the special one, Jose Mourinho could maybe finally turning him around to be a consistent player. Him, like another player that they signed, got a lot of very exciting welcome in Italy. But we're rooting for this kid. Um, sometimes I think he plays better for Portugal than he does for his club football. But Portugal, especially when we're talking about the national team, is a much better squad when Renato Sanchez is Renato Sanchez. So we wish him the very best. João Felix, as I drop this uh, press record on this episode, apparently there are talks for a loan for him to be going uh, to Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona, apparently the, the report from Di Marcio is it could be for a $78 million loan fee. Uh, but we also know Barcelona doesn't have a lot of money. They cannot afford to spend $100 million on João Felix. But you know what? If João Felix goes to Barcelona and he clicks, sometimes that's just what it is with players. They, for whatever reason, aren't too good at some of the clubs they're at, and then they go to a new club and something just works. Maybe if that happens with João, maybe they'll be able to buy him. We'll see. But João Felix, not doing very well. A lot of people getting very frustrated with him. I think Griezmann said this week, uh, the uh, the uh, Portuguese, uh, well, his parents are Portuguese, but he was born in France, Greisman, that, you know, if he wants to play, he just has to compete and he has to turn it around. And we'll see if João Felix will be able to do that if he goes uh, to Bar Barcelona. Other reports regarding player abroad, goalkeeper Luis Maximiano. Remember him a few years ago? He was considered to be a very big deal um, ever since he left sporting. He's been at a few clubs. Now he's at loan back in Spain with Almeria from Lazio. Uh, hopefully this works out well for him. Again, when usually when you're loaned or you leave a club that you only spend one year at, it's because things didn't work out. Hopefully he'll be able to turn it around. Congratulations to Ruben Diaz and Bernardo Silva for winning the UEFA Super Cup. They didn't play in the match, but obviously they're still a part of the squad, so congratulations for winning another trophy to their playing resumes. Uh, Bernardo apparently uh, might be extending his contract for another year with City. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. And there was a little bit of news made by Paulo Fonseca. And let me kind of explain because the story has kind of been all over the place. Um, Paulo Fonseca is married. His wife is from the Ukraine. Um, he, when he was in managing Shakhtar Donetsk, he got very attached to that club. And when Russia started their, uh, they call it military operation. Everybody calls it the attack. Um, he was in Ukraine the night that it started. And I think I read somewhere where he had to like drive all the way to Poland. I think it was like a 16 hour trip to get out of the country with his wife, who's from Ukraine. So Paulo Fonseca has got some emotional attachment. This is not something that he's emotional about because he sees it on television like a lot of us. He's got a little bit more than that with family. And apparently he came out this week in the press because there have been stories about Shukinu maybe being sold to a Russian club. 
Braga has been connected with Tormena. He might be sold to a Russian club. And he basically came out and said, you know, Benfica's done a great job with, uh, you know, doing some things for the Ukrainian people, some charity activities. The name escapes me now with the player, but the Ukrainian player that eventually I believe is now playing in Belgium, they had a tremendous, his first match after the attacks, if you remember the uh, video. Um, he talked about Braga. Remember, he used to manage Braga and that he knows that Braga has a lot of great people with big hearts. But he was disappointed to hear in reports that there's a possibility that two Portuguese clubs might be selling players to Russia, which, as you know, the way the world works, and again, I'm not telling you an opinion here, it is pretty much what a lot of European countries are doing, a lot of countries in the West are doing. They're trying to isolate Russia and not do any business with them. And he is very disappointed to hear and it hasn't happened as I press record here. Um, a lot of these deals I thought were going to get done last week, but they haven't, which leads me to believe perhaps there's been pressure applied to make sure these deals don't happen behind the scenes. But he's very disappointed to hear of the rumors and that, in fact, if this does happen, he talks about how people in, in Ukraine have been killed in this war. Some of them have been children who love football. So very heartwarming story, a very emotional story for Paulo Fonseca. We will see if Benfica sell. Shikinu, we will see if Tormena is sold by Braga. But, uh, and again, there's international sanctions. I don't know if that applies to football. But a very interesting story about Paulo Fonseca that I, I, I kind of wanted to mention. Uh, Braga, congratulations to Braga. Look, they lost their legal opener. Look, people, <laughs> you know, I said last week, should we be calling it the big four? And I said it because... Not necessarily because of the size of the clubs or the resources, but because these are the four clubs that we think have a chance. You know, obviously, Benfica, Sporting, and Porto, of course. But we think that Braga in certain years can compete for the title. I know it's been more than 10 years since they finished in second place. I still believe they deserve to be a part of the big four. Uh, if you're going to lose a match, it's probably good that you lose it in week one and not necessarily lose. Remember last year, Braga started off, I think, the first eight or nine matches, they didn't lose, or maybe they had a few draws, and I think they had this absurdly good goal difference, and then they started to kind of taper off a little bit around, I think it was January or something like that. Braga, I think for now, I'm going to call it the big four. But again, some of you are right when they did lose their league opener. That's not worthy of calling them the big four. But I'm still going to say, still plenty of time to evaluate this, but for now, I'm going to say the uh, big four and... Big result for Braga going to Serbia. Easily got, got ahead 4-0 after the first 22 minutes. Walked away easily winning the elimination uh, the round 7-1 uh, in aggregate. And now they will play Panathinaikos, obviously one of the big clubs in uh, Greece. Obviously, Panathinaikos eliminated Marseille. I think Marseille is a bigger club than Panathinaikos, but Panathinaikos, uh, you know, obviously pulled off the surprise and I give this a 50-50 chance for Braga and uh, playing Penaltonikos. I think they have a good opportunity here. But to me, in order for Braga to really show that they're ready to compete, they've got to win. Uh, we obviously saw the Liga postpone their week match day three against Moreiren so they could spend more time worrying about Penaltonikos and not playing a Liga match in the middle of these uh, two uh, ties. Uh, so it's, this is obviously a very, very uh, big thing coming up for Braga. And this would be great for Portugal. Um, obviously, we saw Aroca. They lost players. 
they're not as good as they uh, were last year. Um, and Aroca, you know, they that's the result they got. They've been eliminated. Braga improved. I think they are one of the better transfer windows in Europe. And when you look at Bruman, does Bruman deserve a Portugal call-up? I definitely think he needs to be considered. We wish Braga the best. I'm still going to call them the big four. But obviously, uh, if we get to September and they start to slump, then obviously I will rethink it. But that's what I will say for now. But Fika, your defending champion, suffered. Last year, they lost their first match to Braga in the Liga. In, uh, if I recall, it was December the 30th, right before New Year's. Uh, this year, they lost their very first Liga match in a very big surprise at uh, Bessa. Uh, I was in Porto that day, but did not have a chance to go to the match because I had other personal things I had to take care of. But the first loss, and again, the only good thing about losing the first match of the year is that kind of wakes you up. Um, you won't be as complacent going into that second match. Uh, Musa, of course, was sent off last week. Arthur, who they just signed, and I know a lot of you think he's going to flop. Well, here we go. He's going to be tested right away. We've seen a lot of question marks about Vlaco Dimos, the way he gave up the uh, goals against uh, Boavista. There's been talk that maybe the new kid they just signed from Ukraine, Trubin, that perhaps he might be uh, coming in and becoming the goalkeeper this weekend. We shall see. But uh, I'm really curious to see how Arthur is going to do. Look, he led last year the Europa Conference League in scoring. He had a very good time playing in Serie A. I think this is a pretty good uh, find for them. Uh, Football Clubs of Porto, as I continue my Big Four report, rumors are that João Moutinho might be going uh, to Porto. Remember, he was linked a few weeks ago with Braga. I actually talked about it. I thought that would have been awesome for Braga. But now the report uh, record broke this story that he might be going to Porto. Is he needed at Porto? Probably not. A lot of the press don't believe he's the type of player that Conceição wants. But you know what? His experience, he is beloved by Porto fans. And every once in a while, when you need him to be playing in that midfield with his experience, this could be a very good thing uh, for Porto. So I think this is a very good move by them. Uh, Conceição, you know that he was suspended for 23 days because of the issues from uh, the Super Cup. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they do this a lot in Portugal. I, I think they do this as well in Italy. But, you know, when... When a manager or play, uh, manager gets suspended, they aren't allowed to be on the sideline, but they are still allowed to be within inside the stadium. I remember during the pandemic, uh, Ruben Amorim was suspended, and he was watching it from the second level, where in an empty stadium, you could still hear him. Uh, I, I personally come from a different culture where when you're suspended, you're not allowed to be in the building. It's a little bit different in Portugal and some other countries in Europe, but uh, amazing that they allow that to happen. But they do. And Kosi Song apparently gave a very big halftime speech to turn around the result at Morey Dance. And as a result, uh, Porto came away with a 2-1 to win in the first match of the season. We obviously saw Varela arrive. You know about Nico Gonzalez. You know about Fran Navarro. So Porto, probably the happiest people in the world to see Benfica lose. Um, no doubt about it, but I think Porto is starting to kick it into a high gear. Sporting, um, well... Uh, they have basically earned 134 million, close to 135 million in the transfer window. They have bought about 63 million in players. They never spent as much money as they have this year. But so far, they've been doing okay. This kid Goyerkis, big start in his debut with uh, a brace after I think it was at 22 minutes. 
And it uh, looks like he's going to be a real big deal for sporting. Nunu Santos and Pote both renewed. I think it was recorded in Ebola that broke the story, and then it happened uh, the next uh, day. Pote, of course, has been in the interest of some bigger clubs, but he looks like he's going to stay. And then, of course, the Danish player, they finally got him. Second biggest buy after the Swedish striker, Goyerks. And Sporting, of course, big result at home to start the season with Paulinho. Sporting last year had some bad results at home. Remember the Shavs match? The fact that they've been able to come back um, and do what they did in this uh, match and uh, win on the late uh, Paulinho goal, uh, I think it's just very big for Sporting. We'll see if they'll be able to compete. Um, we'll see if they do any big sales. Uh, Gonzalo Inacio is supposed to be the next renewal, but if somebody comes along and offers 40 to $45 million, he's going to lose them, and then he'll be back being frustrated like he was when they sold Mateus Nunez uh, last year. Uh, and I think that's uh, you know pretty interesting. So that is your big four uh, report. And uh, now let me – kind of changed tunes and thank you for those that are sticking around this long to talk about my trip to Portugal. Um, I got a funny story to tell you. So I arrived on uh, Monday of this week, 10.59 a.m. exactly Porto time at Porto Airport. That's about 4.59 a.m. back in the east coast of the uh, USA. Uh, and um, it's kind of funny. I was I was on the plane and there was a gentleman that was sitting next to me, you know, we, we were both in the aisle seat. He is from Ironbound, which uh, for a lot of people don't know is a very big Portuguese era area in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Like me, not a fan of sleeping on planes. I just can't do it. It, it doesn't usually work out for me. And I, he's a, I got to know him, a big Porto fan. He drives a truck. I can't remember if he's retired or if he still does it. He's the one that was delivering a lot of the wines from Newark to Long Island, New York City. Uh, you know, places like Mineola, places like Yonkers and uh, Valhalla, things like that where, you know, a lot of Portuguese uh, tend to be, Terrytown. And he did something that I thought was very, very funny. Um, when the plane landed, you know, I'm sitting there and I thought the tradition of clapping was over with. He starts clapping like you thought Porto won the title and he totally startled me. And I said to him, I said, why did you clap that loud? I thought people didn't do that anymore. He said, hey, those pilots, they did a great job. They deserve to be clapped. But uh, I had a great time talking to this uh, gentleman. We talked a lot about football. And like Porto, he believes the world is against his club. Um, he believes that his club will win the title this year. And one of the things that I've enjoyed being here in Portugal is I just spoke to a cousin of mine who's a Benfica fan. And... He feels the world is against his club the way they lost to Boa Vista. I spoke to Sporting. The Sporting fan I spoke to doesn't feel the world's against them, but he does worry that they're going to be uh, selling players uh, as they get toward the end of the window, uh, transfer window, and he's very concerned about how that might destabilize uh, Sporting. But uh, it's just been great to meet a lot of people. Some people have gone out of their way to try to meet me, so I want to say thank you, especially – uh, to the gentleman that I met, the Narcos de Valdevierge. And um, it's always great to hear people's opinions. Some people think that I hate their club, and I really don't. But a lot of them do admit when they listen to this for a very long time, they realize over the course of time that I'm going to say a lot of good things about your club. I'm going to say a lot of bad things about your club. And I'll tell you another thing that's very weird, or I should say adapt uh, that I have to adapt, is, uh, you know, when I'm in the States, uh, take Monday, for instance. Porto played at 18.45, which is 1.45 New York time. And Befica played Boavista at 20.45, which is 
uh, East Coast time, USA and Canada. And Monday afternoon, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, Porto is, you know, Porto's going to start their match against Moreirense. And I had to have that moment of reality, like, no, you're actually in Portugal. The match is actually at night. So it was actually nice to be here and to watch a match, not just watch it in a cafe with a bunch of other people and see the raw emotion between the Porto and Benfica fans and the sporting fans. But I was also able to watch the match at night like everybody else, and that's been one of the positives uh, to this trip. This weekend, uh, I'll be uh, visiting some relatives, and I'm looking forward to talking to them as well, and particularly my uh, cousin, uh, Rogerio, who's a big, big Porto fan. Uh, I'm very curious to see what it'll be like being with him watching the Fidesz match because his wife says he can get very, very emotional uh, during the match, especially when he feels like things are working against him and his uh, club. So uh, it's been a great trip. If you've never been to Portugal, I come here a lot. Uh, I highly recommend you do if you're listening to this for the uh, first time. And my trip here has been a little bit of, of course, the food, the regular vacation. But obviously, I also had to take care of uh, some personal business with uh, my family and uh, check out the house and make sure that everything has been in order financially here, uh, things like that. So it's been a, a very, very um, you know good trip. And let me also say that one of the things that I've enjoyed here, and if you've been a regular listener uh, to this podcast, and by the way, this part of talking about Portugal, I'm not going to do a viewer uh, comments this week simply because... I want to basically stick to talking about Portugal. And again, I just don't have all my editing material here. But I had an opportunity this week. And again, you know that I talk about Atletico dos Arcos. I had a chance this week to go see the stadium. I took a bunch of photos that eventually I will put on uh, social media this weekend. And one of the times where I went to the stadium, because the first time I went through, everything was closed. The second time I arrived, I saw a lot of the players arrive. They were getting ready to play a friendly. And... As I record this on Thursday night, so it means you'll be listening to this on Friday morning. Friday night, actually, here they are playing a preseason match, and I'm hoping to make arrangements uh, to go see it because I'm so close. But, again, I have a a lot of family that just arrived, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to get away, but I will be coming back, though, later on uh, this year. So to actually see the club in person, to, to have the opportunity to say hello to the few players, it's been a real big uh, treat for me, and hopefully uh, by the time you listen to this, by the time it comes out, hopefully I'll be in the Stadio do Cutada uh, to watch an actual match, even though it's only a preseason match. I, I just think that will be a lot of fun. And they've signed a lot of players. Or there's actually a lot of people here that think they signed too many players because they feel like they should be using the youth team, which apparently last year finished second in their division. So I was talking to a few people in town that are not happy that they've spent – Uh, getting players from outside the city when they felt like they should spend more time. But let's remember, this is a club that wants to be as high as the third tier, and they've missed out on promotion. You know, they've either finished second or third, like the last four to five years. They've been close, and they want to get over that hump. Uh, So we'll see. And some of the players, by the way, they're not too young, and they're not necessarily players that are too old. These are players that still dream of climbing up the pyramid to make it to the uh, first division. And sometimes the football is uh, pretty good. Anyway, folks, uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up. If by some chance uh, this hasn't been the great audio, and again, I am not in my usual location. So thank you for listening. And again, as I always say to you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your time every week. And uh, if you're in Portugal, enjoy. If not, I hope you're looking forward to going real soon. 
And as I always say to end it, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. And I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.